Hey, Merlin, how are you doing today? I'm very well, Dan. How are you today on this fine Tuesday morning? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Is it still morning there? No, 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 it's afternoon there. (laughs) It it is. Isn't it? Yeah, no, it totally is. Are you okay? You you, you sound like you just got hit with a sack of pennies or didn't sleep. Are you all right? Uh, I mean, no, I'm exhausted as usual. Okay, okay, good, good, good. The later in the day we do it, the more tired I I sound, I think. Well, it's not my idea. No, it's mine. It's your insistence. Yeah. Yes. I've been thinking about a lot of things. And one of the things, uh, things are what I think about. Yes. Yes. In the future, where we will all spend the rest of our lives. Yeah. I have been thinking, um, it's, a, it's a thing that, uh, you know, uh, kind of a base that, that one touches in passing. Give me the kind of watered down BS advice uh, that I give to myself and to others, if I'm being honest. Um that, you know, really, in some ways, just different flavors, different uh, shapes of the second arrow. And that whole thing about how you feel about how you feel. Yeah. Man, Dan, can I just stuff. say, well, this is not directed at you. It's directed at me, but it's it, because I'm touching the base as I pass near you. Um, boy, ain't that real, though? It is Ain't real. it a real thing? No, it is real. Um, you know, something I'm, I might could try to find this for notes. There's a, a dude, I think he's Australian who's um relaxation okay this guy's right in that pocket he's a youtube guy as far as i know uh, i think his name's michael seeley okay and i believe he's from australia what i do know is that he's really he's really interesting he's in that pocket of um i definitely would not call it meditation mm. because if you're listening to a recording it's not meditation right, but right. it's okay it's only just that distinction probably only matters for me but it's very good and like dealing with your anxiety mm trying to relax and trying to get to sleep, which is still a very valid thing to do. I just would not look for the same benefits that are sometimes advertised for meditation. Right. We've talked about this plenty, haven't we, Dan? I mean, it's There's nothing a, it's wrong a good with relaxation. Topic. Well, you know, let's just touch another sub-base, the, like just underneath the shaft of the, of the point, is that, you know, the arrow, if you like, is that the shaft of the arrow. Let me start over. Yeah. Hello. Hey. Um, what, hap- what had happened was... Um, I do like things that help one relax. And I think there's an, um, at least in my mind, an understandable mix them up that happens that's adjacent to meditation, which I have not studied meditation in the way that you and a lot of other people have. I haven't formally gotten a lot of like in-person, um, teaching about that, but I think it's practically table stakes to say, well, listen, especially if you've never done this before. And you're gonna you're gonna sit down. There's a couple things you need to know about meditation. It's gonna vary, obviously, place to place, school to school. And if I get any of this dead wrong, tell me. I think one of the things people are gonna tell you is like, like this is not about laying down and going to sleep. In fact, most kinds of meditation, especially what I would generally call mindfulness meditation, is about it's not you're not trying to fall asleep, but you're also not being a weirdo. Like you don't need to have your spine. Your spine needs to be the shape of a spine. And just in case you've never dated a chiropractor, the shape of a spine is not a straight line. There's actually a curve and then another curve. So, like, you want to be alert, right? You're paying attention to what's going on. And what you're paying attention to will vary, but it's usually one version or another of something having to do with your physical and interior world. Is that fair to say, generally? Yeah, absolutely. Uh But I think the table stakes might be, hey, look, you're going to sit down and you're going to be really keyed up and you're going to feel really like you're doing it wrong, right, et cetera. And like you do need 
to like find a way to try and calm your mind and to calm your body. And a good way to do that, the, the one that I learned that still I think I haven't found a better step one for myself uh, was the idea that you need to focus on your breath. And people go, oh, what do you mean focus on your breath? It's like, well, locate something physically that is basically equals equals breath. <laughs> Not equals equals, but maybe one equals is plenty. Um, but like for some people, that's the rising of your uh, abdomen, which honestly, for anxious people, you're going to be like, what do you mean my abdomen? Like, I don't breathe anywhere below, like, my Adam's <laughs> apple. Good point. Yeah. When you hear me breathe, here's me. <laughs> uh-huh. um, now, if you get good at that, you can breathe from your, your abdomen and your uh, diaphragm, yeah. uh, right? Yeah. Um, the best one I ever heard, this is back in the 90s, when we still didn't really even understand what meditation was, was to, uh, one of the ways you can do this is to concentrate, or not concentrate, but to take note of Boy, these are good distinctions. I hope somebody's writing this down. Take note of the of the feeling of air passing through, not just coming in and out of your body. Let's get more specific. Not just your breath coming in and out of your nose. Some people say in through your nose, out through your mouth. Point is, well, okay, breath through my nose, got it. Okay, but how about this? Just think for a second. Notice yourself breathing like a normal human being. Stop trying to meditate and just breathe. Title. Okay, now do you notice... That feeling of air moving past parts of your nose? Yes, I do. Well, let me cut to the chase. I'll, I'll jump six of these steps that seem really obvious until you figure it out for yourself, which is there's a spot at what I would consider like, so just under the tip of my nose, the rim of my nostrils personally is where I can most uh, immediately, quickly, easily identify the feeling of breath moving. And everybody's probably different, but do you ever hear that as a, as a, as a tip or a trick? Yeah, that's the one that uh, our buddy up in uh, Redwood City, uh, Gil Fransdahl, likes to recommend. And I Gil couldn't agree more. And so, like, again, I'm not trying to teach you anything here. I'm, I'm trying to help you unlearn stuff that isn't actually helpful, at least the stuff that hasn't actually been helpful for me. And I'm still getting to Michael Seeley. Keep it in your pants. Keep it under your air shaft. Um, and so, but why are you doing that? Well, because if you're just sitting there going, ah, 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 like I am 90% of the time, like it's going to be more difficult than you could probably even imagine to like sit still. Right. Now, I'm going to get this one thing out and this is probably what's going to get me canceled. But here's what I'm going to say. It's like, I do think personally that it, we do everybody alongside perhaps hundreds, even thousands of years of learnings, as you like to say, mm-hmm. I think we do a terrible disservice when we concatenate or confuse relaxation and meditation. Because the part of like trying to calm the F down is an early part of learning how to meditate. Because Mainly because, like here's the trick though, <laughs> eventually you want to get to where you could be as keyed up as you could possibly imagine and you still sit down anyway, right? Isn't that kind of part of it? Yeah. Because I'm not doing this to light a light a candle and and start one of my one of my Glade scent producers and be able to unwind and get Zen like chocolate, <laughs> which is a terrific Missy Elliott album. Um, but uh, you 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 can flip it and uh, meditate it. Um, but it's so. But the okay. So why am I saying this? Because because you're looking at the guy. Well, technically, if you are here, I hope you're here. I hope you're listening. You're listening to the guy who thought he was doing it wrong the whole time. Because I wasn't relaxing and I wasn't feeling Zen like chocolate and I wasn't getting anywhere near Satori or Zendaya or Zenyata Mandata for that matter. I wasn't even near Michi or Chani, who's half Fremen. I wasn't even nearing nearing uh, Absolute Fremen. 
which is the temperature where all Kelvins turn to zero. This is getting deep. Um, well, see, the thing is, though, you know, you got to bring the mountain to Muhammad and then like drop it on him and then find out it was a case of mistaken identity and you're actually in, in a, a Muslim noir and uh, you killed the wrong guy. And now you have to you have 24 hours to, uh, to, to figure out who actually poisoned you. It's called Muhammad on arrival. <laughs> when you describe a noir to a child, it doesn't sound that good. You kind of just have to really watch it. Like, I did not know. My shrink last Friday recommended Lucky Number Slevin to me. And I said, I'm not going to watch something called Lucky Number Slevin. Because obviously they're <laughs> having fun and that's silly. Yeah. Slevin. Yeah. Don't, I, let me guess. There's some joke where there's some mix-em-up that involves the number seven and somebody whose last name is Slevin. Can I just guess? Well, imagine my surprise. Where, say, a la Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, a la The Nice Guys... Lucky number seven turns out to be a really good noir, like a contemporary noir. Hmm. Anyway, you can't tell people this. They know about Dracar noir. I used to wear that. But, you know, it's not about the relaxation part. Is like, okay, if there's better ways in this world to relax than by slapping, you know, some emoji of a Buddha on it and calling it meditation. The, the, and like, so let me just cut to the chase here of what, what my distinction here that you may or may not find useful. And, and in fact, Dan, you may or may not find accurate. But it's my, it's my belief that the things that we... There's a there's big Venn diagram stuff going on here. But you have this area of stuff called meditation that touches upon a f- you know, physical world, emotions, thoughts, uh, physicality, and certainly can touch upon, um, at the very least, a certain kind of... Sp- sp- well, ethic to me, like ethics is a big part of Buddhism. If you're kind of doing doing it right, but there's like a spirituality part. There are people though who are like secular, you know, Buddhists, right? And they still they they do all the stuff and they don't eat the meat and stuff. But like that, it gets them closer to something. We're not sure what. Do you need a name for it? I don't. When I say thank you to the universe, I just assume the right person will hear it or entity. Thank yous for me. Thank you's not for the other person. When I say thank you to the universe, I'm not showing gratitude to any specific deity sitting on a throne, if you like. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, wow, I hope somebody out there realizes I'm grateful right this minute, right? That's a kind of, you know, uh, strip mall, cafeteria, spirituality, sure. probably. But I just want to clarify here. Like, what, what, why one does meditation... And I'd love for you to chime in on this. Oughtn't probably be, if I were giving advice, and I'm not, if I were giving advice, I would say the reasons you decide to undertake a practice of meditation or even just give it a swing oughtn't be for the same reasons that you want to relax. For so many reasons that we don't even have time to get into. One of the biggest for me is, hey, guess what? I'm an idiot. I only ever quote unquote do meditation when I'm stressed out. So now I have, because I want to quote relax and get quote zen like quote chocolate. (laughs) Right? right. So now I have an association in my mind. I mean, like, how about to this day? Does it feel like sitting in an office on a piece of hard furniture feels like going to the principal's office? Because in, unless it's jury duty, that's probably the only time you ever had that experience, and that's how now your association. So if I'm sitting there trying to calm the f down because I'm really keyed up, because I'm quote meditating, that's terrible. Like you know, we brush our teeth because it's what we do, not because we want to get a date. I mean, it'll help with that, but that, that uh, perhaps that ought to be a practice that we do whether or not we, as my grandmother say, need it or not. Now, here's the thing. So that's my advice. Dan, do you want to chime in on this? What's, what's your feeling? I mean, like, how do you, are you, you might have a slightly stricter feeling about this because you've had stricter teachings and, as you say, learnings. Sure. But do you, do you have a thought 
And it doesn't have to be a mean thought, but do you have a thought, a helpful thought, on the contrast, comparisons and contrast between what we call relaxation and what we call meditation? Well, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's really interesting that you bring up this point to me because I think most people, when they are looking at meditation or considering meditation, what do they want to do it for? Well, most of them, I would say, they feel stressed out. Close, close their rings? They, yeah, they want to close their rings. They feel stressed <laughs> out, and they want to not feel stressed out. And how do you feel not stressed out? You relax. So, And if you if you want it enough, you can meditate really hard, Well, right? and, and the, I think- the, It's like a good workout. You really get your get your BPM up with that <laughs> right, relaxation. Right, right, right. But I think, I think a lot of people go into it saying, I feel anxious, I feel stressed, I feel whatever, and I want to relax, and meditation's going to be relaxing. Because whenever you see a picture of someone meditating, it's a woman with uh, athleisure. It's a skinny woman in yoga pants sitting sitting on a couch cushion and smiling while her iPhone plays a bowl sound. Well, I was going to say it's it's the same woman sitting on a pier or a dock in front of the water with the sun rising uh, with the little, doing oh, yeah, the little she's okay pumping symbols. Her fists in the air, pumping her fist in the air with the pile of stones. Maybe she's eating a salad and laughing. I know that girl. Yeah. That's Sally Yoga. Yeah. Um, and that, of course, is that that's not to, I mean, you could do that and it would probably be nice, but that's not what mindfulness meditation or Vipassana, as we call it, is anything about. And I think that people have this conception that the act of meditating itself will be relaxing. We who meditate, often call it practice. Um, I'm going to practice for an hour. And what are you doing? You're sitting there with your eyes closed, usually counting your breath. And that's what you do for the 30, And, and then 50, right, re-inclining yourself back to your breath when you go away, right? That's it. And that's basically yeah. meditation in but the a second nutshell. part is kind of important. It's very like, important. Oh no, I stopped noticing my breath. I better go get a bagel. <laughs> right. Or like, oh, you know, uh, for the last 10 minutes, I was remembering that time that I uh, that I was pitching in Little League when I was nine. Um, why was I there? What was I doing? How do I bring myself back? I had no back? business in that position. <laughs> but at the same time, you're also trying to teach yourself not to feel bad that you did that. Not to feel bad about the so fact good. that your mind yes. wandered somewhere else because it's a perfectly normal. That's thing what you're there you for, and then bring Spoiler it back. Spoiler alert: That's what you're. That's the thing you're actually practicing. And so, yeah, the thing that you're practicing, you're you're training your brain for when it counts, which is right now, or at work, or in traffic, or when you're having a conversation with your friend, or whatever. You're practicing the technique of mindfulness so that you can do it when it matters, and when it matters is not meditation. That's when you're practicing for it. When it so matters good. is yes. when you're in line and somebody cuts in front of you. That's when your practice really becomes uh, important. Or when someone when you cuts punch you him off in the in dick, you want to be very mindful. Yeah, exactly. And so, mm -hmm. you know, or when, when you feel upset about something or really all day when you're not meditating. Um, and when you realize, but isn't it fair to say when you realize that, and this is, you're going to be so impressed when I, I pull can't all wait. of this together. Oh my God. Um, but like, for example, and I, I don't want to beat this to death, but I, I cannot wait. I mean, I, I'm like the masked magician here, except I'm not like creepy. Like I, I want, I cannot wait to give you the secret that I learned about this, that those fat cats don't want you to know. Like you're right, Dan, like noticing, Hey, dang it. Looks like my breath went away and I lost count. So I got to start over. Right. Ooh, and uh, so what do you do? You get mad at yourself. You go like, I'm bad at this. Or do you like secret number one? Well, secret number one is that meditation and relaxation will you, they will either one of those will be more beneficial if you don't buy the idea that they are they they are or can't be the same thing. Um, but you know, yet the next one is guess what? That's what you're practicing. You know, 
I, there's a, I, I, God, I don't think I've really learned this one distinction. You know me in distinctions. It might have been Mike Coleman, one of the guys in Bacon Ray. But I first heard the distinction between uh, practicing and rehearsal. And, um, and I, think, I, do, I think that's a very important difference. Setting aside for a minute, the practice also legitimately can, is a noun and legitimately a verb. Unlike these modern monstrosities, we, we pickpocket from uh, other parts of speech. Practice. What is practice? Practice is bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Like practice is like it could be doing scales, whatever it is. Practice is a thing where often by yourself, but not always, you are trying to get better at the thing you do, often through something like exercises. Now, your practicing the verb can be part of a practice, which is a noun, mm. and the practice is the more long-term, like this is a thing that I do, right? Rehearsal is when your band gets around and you drink a 12-pack of Bush each. And, and play some songs that sound a little bit like Afghan wigs. That's rehearsal. Rehearsal and practice, yeah, you can call it whatever you want. I don't care. But I, I think that's a distinction worth learning. Rehearsal is a thing that we do for, like, if we're going to put on a play. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you might, you, do you really say, like, we're going to practice? We have, we have pr- play practice tonight for Death of a Salesman? Maybe, but probably you mean rehearsal. And that doesn't need to matter to you, but it does matter to me. And so, like, rehearsal is a very focused I mean, here's one reason that distinction matters to me. The rehearsal part is like usually often a group of people. It could even be one person, but maybe rehearsal for you means I'm going to try and get through my Willie Loman scene, my monologue all by myself without, you know, forgetting or breaking character or whatever. I'm going to act like it's dress or I'm going to act like it's live. Whereas practice might be something more like, oh God, think about that amazing Netflix cheerleader series where like there's so many things, they're doing so many acrobatic, what's it called? I forget what it's called, but it's the Texas Cheerleader uh, Massacre. And, and they're always practicing, right? They're doing practice, 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 mm-hmm. practice. But then they finally get to this rehearsal and there's a really, they have a funny name for it, but it's like late in that, not season, but you basically, there's half, what's it called? There's a name for it, but you have to go through, you start doing this brutal rehearsal. A practice might be, let's do that jump and that basket catch, basket catch, and let's make sure we're not going to have the tiny blonde girl get a concussion, right? You're practicing. It's practicing little routines. The rehearsal then is when you try and do it all the way through with no breaks right. and flawlessly. Right. And that's different. But the practice part is, you can be practicing stuff a lot of the time. People don't even know that you're practicing. And what is it that you're practicing? You're practicing the most embarrassing thing in the world, which is you're sitting there and noticing when your attention went somewhere. I mean, one way, right? But let's, for the sake of this argument, let's say that this kind of like, you know, um, <laughs> what they just call this on blank check, bus and truck level of like meditation practice is like, when I notice my attention has gone somewhere else, I'll bring it back. Now, how do I win that? How do I get a big score in that? Well, I personally am not scoring you on that, but I would say perhaps you feel successful if you're concentrating so goddamn hard that you, you catch it the second it happens and bring it back. And it's like you're returning tennis balls, that kind of practice, or you're hitting in a batting cage, that kind of practice. But then how does that go further and deeper? Well, isn't it amazing that for 15 minutes I didn't realize how adrift my attention had gone? Mm. Whether I'm sitting or whether it's life. And like, would it be valuable to check in with yourself often enough to know that you didn't need an alarm, right? You didn't need uh, an app that makes a, makes a bell sound. Like you didn't need any of that stuff because your practice 
and the amount of practice that you've done have helped you to gently incline your mind back to you know what you'd like to be paying attention to. And maybe if you're lucky, let's bring it right all back around to relaxation or anxiety or stress. Maybe there'll be less occasion where you suddenly feel in my case, my tail is often, I feel like my shoulders are up above my ears, like I'm tensed up. When did that happen? Oh, well, boy, that's, that's a thing I'd really like to work on. So I, and so now another truth here, I just want to say like, relaxation is great. I do it. Meditation is great. I kind of do it. Um, and I'll bring this back around in a second after we hear about something you like. But I want to mention this guy, Michael Seeley, and I forget why I even started talking about this. That's how good my mindfulness is. But it doesn't bother me. So there's only the one error. Um, this guy does these relaxation things, and I think it's really cool. He, uh, he, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll link to a couple of my favorites in, uh, on YouTube. Put them in show notes. But uh, I, I like that the guy's not trying to act like it's some... I mean, yeah, he's playing that kind of like what my wife calls spa music in the background, that kind of like what, what at one time we used to consider new age music, although new age music. I'm actually wearing my Wyndham Hill t-shirt right now. Very nice. Don't rag on new age music. It is not the same thing as uh, small music. And just ask William Ackerman, the guy rules. He, he bangs. Um, but what this guy does is he basically says, hey, look, you got anxiety. It'd be nice for you to get to sleep. Let's, 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 let me just, I wrote this thing and I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to talk to you. And this, and like, I'm really interpolating here. I'm adding to this. He's not saying this is going to give you Zen like chocolate. He's not saying you're going to get Satori or Nirvana or Zendaya. But like what you might get is the ability to get a little bit of expansiveness and distance from how you're feeling. And, you know, it is the wildest thing. I listen to it sometimes at night when I'm going to sleep because uh, it helps me a lot. And, and you know, I think, I, I think my wife is just starting to believe a piece of advice from me about naps because I love naps and I recommend naps. Uh -huh. And the thing I say to all my kids and nobody believes me, they're like, I can't take naps. And you're like, well, how much, how, when's the last time you tried? It's like, oh, I just know. It just makes me anxious. I'm like, well, okay, but like, did you, have you practiced it? Like, <laughs> have you developed a practice of nap? Oh no, that's so lazy. I can't. My career. Oh dear, my career and my pearls. They're all over the alleyway outside Deflator Mouse. No, practice. You won't get, and I'm sorry I'm yelling at you about being calm, but like whatever it is you want to do, and this, boy, this so relates to my nominal topic this week. Don't just try it once and then bounce if you weren't great at it. If you try, and I'm not, I'm not even saying you got to practice at the same time every day for the same amount, because maybe you don't want to take naps. But think about the, this distinction in your mind. Think about something you have eventually gotten good at or less bad at, and think about how you arrived at it in a way that was not intuitive to you at the beginning of starting that. You know, um, things I'll mention in a little bit, things like drawing, things like playing a musical instrument, things like cooking, like how you develop this evolving sense of uh, what to do and how to do it, what not to worry about. Like if I, so like I say, oh, okay, practice taking a nap. Okay, well, I'm going to practice five times today. I'm going to try taking a nap five times today. Well, you know, zero points for Slytherin. You don't get anything for that, man. What you get is practicing taking a nap, say eight times in the next month. I don't care when you do it, but I want you to calm the heck down and relax and then and say to yourself in your mind, like, hey, that's what, th this is the time for that. This is not the time for worry. This is not the time for feeling bad about how I can't take naps. It's just the time to lay here and go to sleep. And if you can't, you get up, you try it again, right? Boy, there's so many things like that that will never reveal themselves to you if you aren't good at it the first time. And the, the and again, another spoiler that those fat cats don't want you to know is that you don't get docked points for being bad at it one time. 
We don't get docked points. There are no points. That's another spoiler, but we'll get to that later. Like, I, didn't, I couldn't take a nap today. I suck. Well, okay, that's not a terrific attitude, but okay. Maybe, how about in a different way? Like, you know, um, it rained today and it may or may not rain tomorrow. I mean, life goes on. Like, <laughs> I didn't, like, the Warriors won. The, I'm, personally, I like, a game, I like a good game better than a win for my team. One way my wife and I differ. I just want to watch the teams be good. That's why I watch sports is because the teams are good. And if they didn't win, that's okay because I still got to watch a good game. And if they didn't win, like I'm not going to be depressed and like slug the bartender, you know, because it's games. There's more games. It's more things in the future. There's more naps in the future. There's more opportunities to not suck at something in the future. But first principles, Clarice, it is useful to go back and say like, well, what is the on-label Dan and Merlin recommended use for this versus that. And I don't think Michael Seeley is going to get you to Satori anytime soon. I don't think he's even going to get you to Adelaide. But what we, Adelaide, but what he is going to do is help you to get to sleep. And if you do it often enough and like lower the stakes of not doing it flawlessly, go a little easy on yourself, you will, you will do so much better. But there's just about a million things in life where this goes back to a very old Merlin and Dan issue, which is expertise. You cannot begin to know how to suck less at something unless you have the right comportment about what it is that you're doing, what, you, what results you want, or what results you can anticipate. Like, what are you open to being the experience here? That's the thing I kind of, I wasn't going to talk about this, but then you started talking about Australian YouTube, and now I'm full of beans. Yeah. Um, Thoughts on any of this? Relaxation, meditation, are the things that you could share with people that would save them aggravation? Well, I mean, there is a lot to it because a lot of people come into the meditation practice, like we said before, like because they feel something, they feel stress, they've heard meditation will change them, their watch told them to do it, you know, wh whatever reason they're there. And then, you know, I think the expectations that you have for yourself, the expectations that you set for yourself play a big role in how good of a job you think that you're doing. And that's, I think it's very natural for us as human beings to even unconsciously kind of have expectations and set goals for ourselves. Um, Which also then wires you for the ability to have disappointment that you are in, in no position to have. Yeah, exactly. Like, wh what are you disappointed about? Well, you're disappointed about because you're, F you're, God, I wish I could curse on this show. You're disappointed because your incorrect assumption about what something is turned out differently than you expected. Is there a chance that that's actually an opportunity for growth and learning rather than an opportunity for like being mad at the concept? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that, and, and, and so when you go into it, if your feeling is, mm -hmm. Hey man, I, I've got to get relaxed. I've got I'm going to meditate so hard and I'm going to get Zendaya so fast. And that's, that's also, you're setting yourself up for a huge disappointment. If, you know, even if you go into it saying, I'm not going to experience any shoulder pain this time that I do it. That's not what it's about. It's about being, mm -hmm. being aware of what you are doing right now, being present for what you're experiencing right now. And allowing yourself to just simply exist with that feeling. One of the things that one of my first therapists back in my like late 20s, she told me something when we were talking about anxiety. This is before meditation happened for me. And she was saying, you know, like I was saying, oh, you know, I was feeling anxiety. And she's like, well, what does that feel like? I'm like, feels like anxiety. What do you mean? 
And she's like, well, I mean, like, what does that feel like? Like, like what does it physically, physically feel, feel like? like in your body? And I'm like, well, okay. Like, you know, and I listed some of the things like maybe, you know, like tightness in your chest or your shoulders scrunch up together or whatever it is. You know, I named a bunch of things I was feeling and she's like, okay. She's like, just try and sit with those things. Not even sitting meditation, just saying, um, just physically sit with those things like do anything but try to solve them or try to run away from them what if you did something besides try to solve it or try to run away from it yeah yeah just be present for it just be present for it there's a lot of beeping outside yeah what's happening out there it sounds like a car alarm either that or like a like a 50 beats per minute performance maybe this is Um, something that you would want to meditate with I could. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but like people get mad and then they email. Um, okay. Um, yes. And uh, uh, um, the one of the things Michael Seeley says, and this is where I feel like he really got me, is uh, what's it called? The, uh, the Iran-Contra code, the Konami code, whatever it's called. Like there's, a, there's, a, there's an Iran-Contra code. <laughs> Sorry. I'm doing that bit where I act like I don't know something and it's funny. You know a lot of stuff. I know stuff. Well, I just two things. You know, I drink and I know things. It's always two things with Tyrion. Um... It's gone now. Um, he says at one point in this, there's one where it's like very much, um, <clears throat> uh, the one that I got started with with Michael Seeley, and I'll put a, at least a couple of these in just so you can identify. And one of them is like a, I want to say 40 minutes, something like that, that I, that I uh, bit that I ripped from YouTube and then put into Overcast, so it's always on my phone. Um, but it's one that's really about like, it's really straightforward, like anxiety and trying to get to sleep. Yes. And it's really helpful. There's another one I've been listening to lately though, where he this slight distinction where it's like yeah you're trying to get to sleep you got anxiety but it's about having a busy mind yeah which is i think a really monkey mind mind, yeah but yeah but it's that same thing but like busy mind to me really nails a certain aspect of what you were describing like so when you feel anxiety what's that mean yeah i feel the shoulders i feel like my taint is tight i feel like all these things my jaw i'm clenching my jaw my neck like all those kinds of things there's those physical things but then another way to look at it that's harder to pin down as obviously physically is like i feel like my mind is racing so a way that i this is a little bit vulnerable but a way i described this breakthrough that i've had recently that i described to alex on a recent dubai friday was i've realized that as an anxious person um well let me just state the fact before how to fix it because it's difficult to fix the fact of life is that as an anxious person i am frequently running away from from one thing and running toward another and i don't realize until i'm out of mentally emotionally out of breath which is a breakthrough for me what am I running away from? I'm running away from bad feelings or, if I'm being honest, trauma. I don't want to feel that feeling again. What am I running towards? So I'm running toward resolution. I'm running toward the feeling going away. And the thing is, like, boy, you're, you're going to be pursued and running and chasing, like, all the time if you think that that's going to get you out of it. You can't knock down a door to relax. <laughs> Do anything but knock down the door, right? But he says this thing, and it's when I say it's like a cheat code, it's like, because he's like, look, you know, right now your mind might be racing. There's thoughts going through your mind. And I have over time then become aware that, like I said, my impulse is to try and make the feeling go away or my feeling is uh, to try and make the feeling go away or to like fix it. Yeah, of course. Like, what can I do to fix it or make the feeling course, go away? Absolutely. And you say to somebody something like as simple as, well, can you sit with it? Can you just kind of be with that feeling? And I think that's extremely difficult for, for a lot of folks, including me. Mm-hmm. Everyone, puts I would it, say. Let's just be, be honest about oh, it. everyone. Because, well, yeah, it's like G. Gordon Liddy sticking his hand in the candle and he says, the trick is not minding. 
it's like, well, that's not really going to work for a lot of things, and I don't want to put my hand in a candle. Um, but what he suggests is like right now your mind might really be racing, and I, I can't put this as well as he did, but he said something that was it's a little bit one of those little transformations that can mean a lot. And he's like, you know, what if uh, what if you just kind of said to yourself, well. You know, I'm gonna put this. Let me, let me just put this in my own words. Hey, you're freaking out. You're full of boy energy. <laughs> you're the equivalent of in the equivalent of second grade. And boy, you keep staring out that window, and you really want to just go run, 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 go have recess. Like, what if you said to, to yourself, "Guess what? It's like letting a dog off the leash. It's like one of those movies where they drop, you know, a thousand uh, tennis balls, you know, into a room, and the dog doesn't even know where to begin." What if you said to yourself? Um, let your mind race for a while. It's okay. Like, but, you know, and, and again, no value here, but th- if I were going to add some value, I would say, don't feel bad about it. Like, you just gave yourself permission to let your mind race. Exactly. And something you're going to discover in a second that's going to really freak you out, you're going to get a new level of anxiety because now you have a new thing to be anxious about, is like, I did that and I didn't die. I didn't fight it. I didn't fight my feelings. I didn't fight my thoughts and I didn't try to fix anything. I just did something as simple as saying, it's okay for that to happen for a little while. And there's, it's a very, it's very weird. It's almost like, is it in Indiana Jones where he doesn't realize the like clever. This belongs in a museum. Belongs in a museum. But also when he takes the step out, he doesn't realize there's a bridge there because of the angle he's been looking at it. Leap of faith. So he, Leap of faith. Leap of he faith. takes penitent, penitent man, Kierkegaard, penitent Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard, Soren USA, penitent man, Kierkegaard, Disneyland, penitent. California Adventure, penitent, Neils. penitent, penitent, penitent man, Neils. Huh? Ten minutes to walk. Penitent. Show me all the blueprints. He takes a step, and there's a bridge there that he didn't know was there. Well, I don't recommend that in general. It's a movie. It's Spielberg. He's good, but um. But it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem a little bit like that where you go like, wait a minute. I spent all my time trying to not feel feelings. I spent all my time trying to fix quote unquote problems, right? I, I'm, I'm that guy in my own head, title, which is like, I'm always doing all this stuff. So I never have to feel bad. I never have to feel pain. I never have to worry. And what does it do? Well, guess what? It just generates more worry. It just more and more of that stuff. I'm not saying that's going to be the end of your, end of your problems any more than like, I don't know, I guess getting hooked on, uh, opiates is going to make your problems go away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, but there's one moment in there where he says, like, just let your mind race for, for a minute. And he doesn't even say, and let it be okay. That's my addition. But like, that's my addition here is like, what if you just started stepping everywhere and you never fell off a cliff? Mm. Because there was never a cliff. There was, there. It wasn't even there to begin with. It wasn't even there yeah, to begin the cliff, with. Yeah, because the cliff was something that your mind generated. It's a construct. Perhaps, decades ago to keep you what it thinks is safe. And so now you've become like that. And again, now this shades into something that came up recently on Rectifs. And remember your, your anecdote about you're going to fall in the fountain, you're going to fall in the fountain, where you keep telling kids oh, yeah, that they're, yeah, they're yeah, scared. Oh, yeah, yeah, we talked about that. I'll put that in the notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you're, you're basically, I, 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 I was talking about this in the service of saying like, um, I think most, especially men, but... And, and fathers, but like, you know, really everybody, when you're around a kid, you, you may not even realize how much you're constantly trying to tell them that they're being scared of life wrong and that there are consequences to that, that they're more than happy to enforce <laughs> because they have not, your child has not agreed to be a basket case in the same way that you are. 
and like how dads in particular can be really bad about that. You're going to fall on the phone. You're going to fall on the phone, you know, Hodor, Hodor, mm-hmm. Hodor. Like you are going to, I am demanding that you fall on the fountain because it's the only way you will understand the dangerous world that I have sketched out for you. But like, what if there wasn't a fountain to be worried about? What if there wasn't a cliff right there? Cause guess what? Spoilers to the spoilers. That's all in your goddamn brain. That is in your mind right now. You are, Alex hates when I say this, but you get why I say this. I'm just a guy in a room. Yep. And, you know, you could use that. You can go a million ways with that. That certainly could be a way to examine your own, your own privilege and how fortunate you are in life. It, it, could also, um, it could also, I don't know, be a way to, like, buy a T-shirt and join the proletariat, I guess, Hakuna Matata. But what it really ultimately is, is, like, what is the evidence? Like, if I were going to go full CBT on this, and I don't mean the German one, if I were doing, going CBT on this, how would I persuade myself that, there's, there's all this, these, these uh, tumultuous feelings that I have that I somehow survive. How, how, would I, how would I convince myself that there's no such thing really as safety, but that if you were somebody who was thinking about safety, how would I get you to realize that the recipe for safety is not constant fussing, worrying, and being angry about the world? Mm-hmm. That that's not safety. It felt like safety maybe at one point. And now... Spoiler to the third power. Now you are clinging to, you're not clinging to a life raft. You're clinging to a sinking ship because mm. it used to feel safe. Mm. Like, don't do that. And so, after you tell me about something you like, I, uh, I had this completely random one line thing I was going to mention to you that now I think could be, you know, a few minutes visiting with you about um, uh, considering things in life that you want to do because you want to, you want an interesting new thing to suck at. <laughs> <laughs> but first, I'd love to hear about something that you well, like. I would love to tell about Squarespace, our friends nope. uh, up in New York. I'm so mad about their ads. Why are they doing ads? Why isn't everybody on Squarespace, Dan? You know, if it wasn't for this show, like nobody like would even know like about Squarespace. Zen like chocolate, zen like chocolate, zen like chocolate. <laughs> Is that what you do? Your mantra? Serenity now. Now, I do want to talk about serenity. Actually, I have a a, a woman tra. I do want to talk about serenity now and mm. um, transcendental meditation after after we do this. Because that's something that I think a lot of people, when they say they meditate, they're actually thinking uh, transcendental meditation, which is a very different thing. So let me talk about Squarespace. It is an all-in-one platform, Merlin, for building Mm -hmm. your brand and growing your business online. It's going to help you stand out. That's key. With a beautiful website, it's going to help you engage with your audience. You're going to be able to sell stuff, your products, the content you create, even, even your time. They have best-in-class mm. templates, and they keep adding more. They will not stop. It's like a wrecking ball song. They don't stop. Oh, you know? like Miley Cyrus. Correct. Are they coming like a wrecking ball? Yes. And now, but are, and, but are you saying they're like a wrecking ball meets a shark? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm. Here's the thing that they've added recently <laughs> when you're because there's so many templates now that they've done. At some point, someone's like, "You guys have done too many," and they're like, "We haven't done too many." We haven't done enough. and But but not all of them are, you know, not all of them are uh, responsive, right? Only some of them. All of them are responsive. I, saw, I find that so hard. To it is. You're saying if I got a Dingus or a device, yes. that site's going to look good on there. Yes. And you can. You'd have to try to make it not work. Even if you try, it's still going to work. So it can't unbreakable. 
unbreak just like they're, Bruce they're, Willis. They're alive, damn it. They're alive, damn it. Okay. And so what you can do now is they've taken these templates and they put them into different categories for your businesses. So now instead of just browsing through all of the templates, you can actually say, well, this is the category of business that I'm in. And they're going to say, oh, cool. We know what that is. Here's a whole bunch of templates that suit that category really well. Now that doesn't prohibit you from picking any any template that you want, but it does start you off with a really solid footing in knowing what it is that you are going to be building and how it could look. And then no matter what changes you make, and it's all changed with little sliders and buttons and clicky things and fiddly things, it's really fun. It doesn't matter. It's all still going to be responsive. It's still going to adapt to the that platform, that mobile device, whatever it is, because they're really, they're really mobile first in a lot of ways. And I think that's that's super cool. Like I said, they've got the built-in e-commerce. But the thing that I really like is a lot of us have businesses that kind of focus on like appointments, whether you're cutting hair like you do, or whether you're, you know, a consultant of some kind, or a, you're a home inspector. I don't care. A general contractor, whatever. Merlin, <laughs> nice pull. I don't care. A home inspector. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. go in there and you can say, you know what, clients, go here, sign up. And then they book the appointment right there on the site. It's very cool. So here's where our listeners can go to find out more about it. They go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. When they go there, they'll get a free trial. Anyone can get that. It's not special. You don't even need the special URL to get a free trial. But what you do need is to go to the URL to support the work that we do here. And then when you are ready to sign up, use the offer code it's your show. You'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. So last time I'll read it, squarespace.com slash it's your show. Promo code, it's your show. Save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And I would like to be the first person to say, thanks very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. Merlin, man. Merlin, Xavier, man. Yeah. Um, you had a word about um, various, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's certain kinds of words. Uh, I make a study of this. Words, words, uh, words that you can make funnier yeah. by putting a word in front of it. Yeah. And then words you can make funny by putting a word after it. Yeah. For example, you will learn and you'll discover in time that any noun can be made funnier, funnier if you put the word prescription in front of it. Mm. Explain. And then, Give me a good example of that one. Prescription pants. <laughs> hey, don't touch that. It's that's my, that's my prescription desk. Okay. That is funny. Yeah. Um, but like there's a lot of meditations. There's the kind where uh, you do the you do the David Lynch one where you make chicken wings and jump up and down. Yeah, that's TM, right? TM, TM, TM. Trademark meditation. Ah. What's it called? Isn't transcendental meditation the one where you fly? Transcend- I'm thinking of the scam yeah. ones in the 70s. Um, transcendental meditation uh, is not something that I have done. Um, but I didn't mean to take you off. I thought your stated goal here was to make some distinctions, and so I will just merely shut up. No, it, it, it's... Um, so, so here's what I understand about transcendental. I mean, I, I should say I have done it. I did it when I was a little kid. Um, but basically what people do is it, this comes more from like China and Egypt. Uh, but a lot of different religions have done things that are kind of focused on transcendental meditation. Maybe I've got that wrong, but my understanding of what transcendental meditation is, is that unlike mindfulness meditation and and I do want to make a mention of zen meditation really quickly because zen and what what we think of as meditation or what has become kind of the mainstream version of meditation which is mindfulness meditation which is also called vipassana meditation uh, or insight meditation is an I would say it's about 2600 years old it was invented by the buddha and uh, this was the technique that he used to attain enlightenment 
back in. That's, that's when he's sitting under the tree, in, right? Yeah. In the, in, he was an unhappy prince. In the ancient times. Ancient times. Transcendental meditation, of course, also addresses stress in its own way. Um, but what I think you're supposed to do in trans- trans- transcendental or Transylvanian <laughs> That's meditation, it. thank you. I winner, actually winner, have to tell you, <laughs> I have right here on my desk one of those little squishy toys. And it's, it is a vampire, and I'm sitting there looking at him while I'm talking about this. I, I'll, I'll send you a that picture. That is so funny. We're going through a big Willem Dafoe phase. Um, we just- Who oh, isn't? Uh, and when aren't you? Oh, my God. Have you ever seen The Florida Project? No. What is that? Just trust me. Just go buy it. Right. It's really remarkable, and it's, like, it's so special. But all I will tell you is that improbably Willem Dafoe is in it. But I think we I need just, to call this episode title uh, Transylvania. Oh, your little guy's so cute. Yeah. What was it, Transylvania meditation? Transylvanian Transylvanian? meditation. Okay, that's good. I like that. Um, but uh, so anyway, you've got it with. I was saying to my kid, he looks like a Dracula, and in fact, he played Max Shrek. Yeah, Nosferatu. Who played Nosferatu, yeah. and he's like, you know, in all respect, uh, Willem Dafoe does look a little bit like a Dutch, like a Dr- Dutch Dracula. <laughs> I will also put his career retrospective video in, and how Michael Cimino assumed yeah. when he was cast. Did you see this when he was cast for Heaven's Gate? Because he was in Heaven's Gate. Yeah. The, the famously, the famous, uh, well, better than people say, but like people, it was a movie that did not do very well for how much it cost. Because Michael, Michael Cimino had a blank check from, uh, you know, Deer Hunter. Oh, yeah. And uh, he cast Will- Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. who might have one of the more Dutch names, unless it had a Vander in it. Like he, he's very, he looks and sounds very Dutch. I think he might have played Van Gogh. But he looks very Dutch. And Michael Cimino just assumed that he spoke fluent Dutch when he hired him for the role. No way. <laughs> yeah, but Willem Dafoe, he's one of those guys. He, you know, he, 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 one of his best roles, he was the rat in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, he's, he's just another dead rat in a dumpster behind a Chinese restaurant. There you go. <laughs> okay, please continue, Transylvania. So uh, with, with Transylvanian meditation, um, you basically <laughs> are, so you, have a, you have a mantra that you repeat. And my understanding is you're given this mantra by your yogi, who is a teacher and you can't first, first line by Jeff Goldblum that I ever heard. Oh, in Annie Hall. Yeah, at the party. I think I need a new mantra. He, he's on the phone. He's like, he's on, he's, it's such a Woody Allen moment. I know. Woody Allen and I guess Dan Keaton are walking away and Jeff Goldblum sitting there on the phone and he says, he's called his guru. He goes, I forgot my mantra. Yeah. So you're supposed to repeat this mantra over and over in your mind for like 15 or 20 minutes. And it, if you do it- A lot it, of people recommend uh, baby back ribs. If you do mantra. it, then you're supposed over to transcend the current mm-hmm. state and enter a state of deep relaxation and other things. Again, I don't know anything about that. And this is the other thing I just want, be, I want to talk to you about, Merlin. I Please really do. want to talk to you about this. So important. It's vital. Is that- it, you, it is possible, and, and I won't just say possible, it is, it is likely and typical that you will at some point enter a kind of what I guess you could call an altered state of consciousness. Like a little, almost like a trance kind of? Uh, Not a trance, yeah, but you know what I yeah. mean. Like, a, like when you get into like, a, like you know, like if you, when you do the Hare Krishna chant or something, or like if you, if you just say a word over and over, it stops making sense. Like you get a slightly altered sense, your perception yeah. gets a little altered when you mantraize. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the TCM stuff. I'm just saying in regular Vipassana meditation. Turner, Turner Classic movies. You will definitely enter into a deep state of mindfulness, of concentration, of, of different mind states. Um, but those are also 
other states that you can learn from. The point you will not a lot of the time I would I will have finished meditating and I'll feel just as stressed out or maybe even more stressed out than when I started. And that's get not ready unusual. for this. A lot of people's first reaction the day they realized that meditation was kind of working was the first time they cried. Yeah. A lot of people cry during meditation. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, like it's yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's not, I mean, but also anything where like in general, the idea is like, like, do you want to be in a trance? I mean, it's not a drum circle guys. No, you're very much, you're very, the, in fact, you're the most concentrated, alert, awake and, and focused in meditation than you will be probably in your whole day. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, <laughs> that's by design. I would, I would often say that the hardest part of my day, the part of the day where I put in the most work, the most effort um, is the meditation. It's not, Wow. it's, it's, you know, it, it's not like I'm doing it and I'm like all blissed out. Like, no, like that's when I've worked the hardest. That's when I focused <laughs> the hardest later on when I go to sit down and write an email or write code or talk to someone on a phone or whatever. It's like, that feels like a break compared to the amount of well, effort yeah, and, and like, concentration like the, the, I just and put And one in. reason you and I bitch, I think, about the whole Zen thing is that, like, the aesthetic of Zen, I get it. I see I see why, you, I understand why there's household cleaners and chocolate called Zen. But Zen is a very, of my understanding anyway, is that it's a very a very strict and regimented yeah. and deliberately not easy yeah. practice. Yeah. That about the last thing you're going to be is relaxed. Yeah. But of course we know most of what we know about this stuff comes from, like, martial arts movies. And you're <laughs> like, well, you know, can... Uh, Oh God, I forgot the actor's name. The wonderful actor in Kill Bill. He plays two roles in Kill Bill. The guy from the uh, 88s and the like. The guy with the white mustache. Oh, I know what you mean. I forget the guy's shoot, actor's name too. I, Gordon Liu. Yeah, Gordon Liu is his. I think his anglicized name. But like you know, it's like Gordon Liu is going to come in and like make you all zen so that you can break boards. And it's like, oh my God, no. Did, did, you, did you just skip over most of the scenes in that movie? Like, <laughs> you just got to carry pots of water up and down the hill until you right, die. that's it. That's all you got to do. <laughs> that's, get ready for that. That's your zen. That's your, your, your method grapefruit spray of spirituality. Yeah. Um, and zen and transcendental, the transcend zen, Transylvanian meditation. You know, we don't have to talk about this all day. I, I just, I, I, can I just really quickly just touch on this, how this all started? Yes. So I'm riding a bike um, and it's an e-bike. So shut up. But the point is that, oh my goodness, there's so much to learn. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to go into like a lot of detail here because who cares? But uh, I did talk about this on Dubai Friday because, well, a lot of people who listen to Dubai Friday were instrumental in helping me understand whether this would be a good fit for me and helping me understand what the difference is between a Schwinn somewhere between a Schwinn, a moped, and a motorcycle, like, what is this thing? And, like, you know, j- just let's start with one thing, which is I have a, I have a, it's nice for a medium-level bike. Like, it's not nice for a nice bike, um, but it's pretty nice, and it's heavy. It weighs 65 pounds, Dan. It's really, really, really heavy, heavy, which is not sexy. It's not like a fixie. It's got a 750-watt motor on it. But here's what you need to know. There's, there's more or less th- three ways you get into locomotion on an e-bike and i did not know this so i'm going to briefly explain this just so you know but think about the bike you have like i had a 10 speed you know in in the past mm-hmm. or even like a, before 10 speeds everybody had three speeds Remember yeah that? i do sure, had a basket sure. on it yes yeah and usually like there would be it could be on the handlebars but the ones i had because you wanted to look like you were Greg Lamond, I don't even have a poll on this. Like you wanted to look like uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Racer, and so you get your you get like the left. There's the left lever 
for high and low gears, and then there's a right lever for one through five, six through ten on a ten speed, right? right? Well, this e-bike, it's an e-bike. It's a 65-pound e-bike, and guess what? It has seven gears. So even if it's not, if you like turned on, even if it's uncharged, you have seven gears, one to seven. One is, and forgive me, because I do frequently get these exactly backwards, the kinds of like (laughs) Merlin's exactly backwards errors. The low gears are for hills. The high gears are for speed and like flat, right? One to seven, all right? That's that just, why am I telling you that? You know that bikes have gears. Okay, but remember that. Over here, you've got gears that will let you go from one to seven. Now, the first time you're on a 10-speed, when I was a kid anyway, it's not unusual at all to like pop your chain off yeah. because in the same way as trying to shift in my VW, you do need to get a feel for how to do that, not even just smoothly, but successfully. Like you learn, hey, you know what? It's probably not a real good idea to pop right from, say, Let's even say from um, from like nine to six, mm-hmm. or from like five to one, because your chain gets crazy loose and it pops. And like, did you get it on right? Like, th- that's something to learn. I think it's fair to say. And then the part of e-bikes that people may be mostly familiar with is something called PAS or pedal assist. And long story short, what that does. Let's remember now we still got gears over here, but it detects a cadence, which is like how much effort are you putting into pedaling right now without regard, without respect to the gear, mostly. And then there's a level between, I believe, one and five, where you can manually say, I want you at this level of effort, start helping me. At that level of effort, higher up, start helping me. Right? So now we've got gears over here. And now we've got pedal assist over here. Now that doesn't sound all that complicated. It basically sounds like a moped or a motorcycle. Yeah, but here's the thing. What if this is your first day on this thing? What if you unintentionally, this is extreme, but boy, have I done this. You've unintentionally left the bike in sixth or seventh gear because maybe you were having your big ending to your your last trip, right? And you unintentionally have the pedal assist on five. Why? What? Because like, if you don't understand why that would be a problem, you're exactly the person to hear what I'm about to describe, which is it's going to try. You're going to start trying to pedal, and in like an eighth of a second, you're going to go oopsie doopsie seventh gear. I'm going to have a real tough time doing anything but going downhill. Even going downhill when you're getting started, like with you know, if you're going from not moving, uh, I would not want to be in seventh gear. Maybe you don't want to be in first gear, but how are you going to handle that if like if a car comes along you can't balance remember oh by the way did i mention you got gears you got pedal assist did i also mention it weighs 65 pounds and everything that one has learned arbitrarily over over 40 years of riding a bike is slightly undone by the fact that if you stop it will fall over because <laughs> it's 65 pounds okay so what happens you're going to go down hill you left it in seventh gear pedal assist on four or five guess what's going to happen Enjoy that eighth of a second when you realize you're in too high a gear because you're about to have a really funny uh-oh moment because mm. it's going to do, you've told it, pedal assist level five, really help me out right now. Zoom. So you're in seventh gear or whatever, your bike's going to really start moving. And if you're not ready for that, you might go straight into traffic because do you follow what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You have no control over that bike apart from the brakes, but like you can't use pedaling to balance because you can't get up enough 
You know what I mean? You can't get yeah. enough speed up yeah. to balance. Yeah. You're in too high a gear to do anything useful. And on top of it all, your 65 pound electric bike is now going to say, yes, sir, just as ordered, I'm going to like get you up to as fast as I can, as fast as possible with the admittedly minimal effort of one eighth of a second of pedaling. Vroom. So 65 pound bike, you got gears, right? You got pedal assist, but wait, there's more. Here's where it gets good. Uh, in the like the web of your right hand, like between your thumb and your forefinger on mine anyway, is called a throttle. And pretty much exactly what you'd expect. If you have not done any, any pedaling at all without regard to whatever gear it is in, the gear doesn't matter because gear only matters for how pedaling works. All you need to know is that as soon as you, you put your web of your hand on that and you turn toward you, the harder, faster you turn, like the harder you turn, the quicker it's going to try to get you up to its rated 20 miles per hour. Um, and you know, there's a lot of ways the, the throttle's the good part in a lot of ways. The throttle can really help you while you're pedaling. But now to review, you have a 65 pound bike. You've got to keep track of what gear you're in. We're not even getting to traffic yet. We're not even getting to thinking about how am I now I have to suddenly stop whilst I'm going up a hill. How will I balance a 65 pound bike? Because oh. boy, I have a thing on the inside of my right knee that is not going away anytime soon, and it's because I got cute about this. And, and so, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going into more detail than I thought I would, but it's valuable to understand that this is exactly the kind of thing it's interesting to suck at. So, there's the gears, of the way, and then the throttle, but the throttle's the best. And if all of this works together, you get the experience like I get like pretty much every afternoon. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's an e-bike, so this is not a flex, because I get a lot of help from the engine, the motor. But I'll usually ride out, don't be creepy, but I ride out from where I live to Ocean Beach, which is the you know where the Pacific Ocean lives, and drive north up to Golden Gate Park, ride through Golden Gate Park, go to see the bison. You can never see the bison. Come back down, go down 35th or 20th or one of the bike paths, and I get to combine all of those things in a way that is deeply satisfying. I get to combine, like, you know, kind of lower gears to get rolling, you know, I can use the pedal assist, usually at level two, to really help me on something like the Great Highway, where I don't want to be going 20 miles an hour past rollerbladers and babies. Right. Like, but a little bit of pedal assist can be nice. And then at any point, I can always just get a little bit of throttle, where I get a sense of like how hard I need to pedal for it to be satisfying and keep me balanced. But then the throttle can help with that. Dan, there is so much to suck at with that. And it's been interesting, and I got, I got to thinking about this as I fell over and a 65-pound bike fell on me. Um, I was thinking about how, in, in, in some ways in life, like the things that we choose to spend time with re can reflect these different levels of aspiration and expertise. Yeah. But ultimately, growing means trying to find something, an interesting new thing to suck at, is what I was thinking about. And that was this morning I wrote some notes just thinking about like all the different kinds of things that we stick with or don't because we suck at them. <laughs> Do we know we know we suck at them? We don't know we suck at them. I just last Monday, a week ago yesterday, I got it was a real wake up call because I'd gotten real comfortable with this bike and was starting to think I didn't suck at it. Because I mean, how hard is it? It's a bike. It is the canonical example of something you don't forget how to do. Unless, <laughs> unless you have to unlearn several things that you know about bikes. Yeah. I think about the first time you um, were in a car with um, like ABS brakes mm -hmm. and how you have to unlearn everything from driver's ed about pumping the brakes. Mm. Like don't like it's pumping the brakes for you way better than you ever could. That's what ABS is. Don't 
double pump, <laughs> like things you have to unlearn, right? Um, and so in this instance, I wanted to go up. There's this, that's tech, believe it or not, it's the highest point in San Francisco, higher than Twin Peaks, and it's something called Mount Davidson. And there's a fa- famously, there's a big cross at the top, and it looked really doable from the map. My kid walks it all the time, walks it all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, oh, this is no problem. I'll just shuttle over. It's not far from my house. I shuttle over to Mount Davidson. I start going up the hill. And, like, and, and like, this is one of my low points in a month of bike riding was like, okay, it's really a pain to get there. And be, I, I was already screwing up at so many things I just described, Dan. Like imagine the kind of thing, like, you know, an overpass, like a pedestrian overpass, yeah, sure. like in a college town. Yeah. Usually there's like a spiral-ish ramp pretty tight so like it's it's accessible to all folks but you get up and it's very narrow maybe i'm just describing this one that goes over portola but it's a very tight spiral you got to go it's pretty steep and it's very narrow and i'm already a little bit fatigued from the ride there Mm. and from the day and and of course i had pedal assist on a little too high and it's like trying to give me too much i'm like oh god this is i should just go home but i was like nope nope i'm gonna stick with this i'm gonna be a good bike boy and i'm gonna go up to mount davidson long story short i'm getting up this road and i should have i, sh- I should know enough to know that i suck because i started going up this hill it's the steepest hill i've ever attempted most hills in Sanford that I have been on in San Francisco, including in my very hilly neighborhood, a combination of full throttle and like second gear can get me up almost anything. I haven't had a hill that it couldn't do. Most hills I'm taking at 10 miles per hour just on throttle. It's really amazing. So I had all the confidence, the confidence of the new idiot title, which is I go into it with this like, okay, well, here I go. And it's like, pedal, 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 pedal. So start putting this together, right? I got to change gears, get in the right gear. Do the long press on the down gear so it goes poof. In one go, goes all the way down to first gear. Okay, all right, this is not going great, but I'm going to stick with this because I'm still thinking like it's 1978 and I know how to balance on a bike. Going up, full throttle, a full pedal assist, second gear, going, going, going. And of course, Dan, at this point now, I am getting more exhausted than I realized because I thought, oh, I'm just close enough. I'm a third of the way up this hill when it occurs to me, you know, be smart. Like, don't, or at least don't be dumb. Like, why don't you just chill for a second? And here's the other thing. Did I mention there's another part? There's another part. There's a 65 pounds. There's gears. There's pedal assist. There's throttle. You know what's really critical? Mm. Brakes. Mm. Because a trick I learned a million years ago on a bike is like when you're doing stuff on a bike that weighs, you know, 10 pounds or whatever, it's a good idea to kind of work the brakes as you're moving around so it doesn't accidentally get away from you and stuff like that. Like you imagine like this battleship Potemkin thing of like a stroller going down steps. Well, if you're on flat ground, let alone going up or down an incline, you really want to work those brakes. Because can I remind you, Let's go all the way back. What happens when you're on a 65-pound bike and you're going uphill and you can't keep your balance because it's too much? You fall over. And in this instance, it didn't occur to me in the middle of that fatigue that I should hit the left brake and the right brake and I should brake and be ready to put my feet down. And it was the funniest. When I described this to my wife, it was like the funniest Benny Hill thing uh-huh. you can imagine, which is a 55-year-old man in so much safety gear, so much reflective safety gear, <laughs> going up a way too steep hill, not knowing what he's doing on a 65-pound. It's like in Jaws. I almost made a Jaws joke earlier because you were talking about sharks. Yeah. And I was thinking about when everybody, when, before they hire Quint, 
when everybody goes out in the water and Richard Dreyfuss is freaking out because all these guys are drunk and riding around on boats really fast that don't know what they're doing. That's me alone riding a bike up a hill. And I get there, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it. And I forgot to hit the brakes to go along with my dismounting of the saddle. Right? Can you imagine mm-hmm. what's happening here? You can see this a little bit in your mm-hmm. head, right? Did I mention I'm going uphill? So the second that I stopped and didn't hit the brakes, I started rolling back a little bit. Uh-uh. I'm exhausted. I didn't hit the brakes. And what happens? Same thing that happened a couple minutes ago when I was trying to go up the pedestrian ramp. You panic a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when I panicked, I went all the way over in what felt like complete slow motion, oh, no. hilarious oh. slow motion. And I, I mean, I had, of course, I'm wearing a helmet and stuff, and I'm, you know, got all the good gear on. Um, I, I mean, didn't go as far as knee pads. I'm not in a Burger King ad, but like, I did have lots of, you know, gear. And but I landed so goddamn hard. My knee has like a four inch purple oh, bullseye no. on the inside right now. Oh. Um. And that was educational. Now, how is that going to be educational? Well, it's educational because I need to keep in mind that before I can get intuitive about integrating five different ways of starting and stopping motion, mm-hmm. let alone staying balanced, I need to, I need to not get too cocky about it. And I, not, I, need to be, I need to not be afraid to, are you ready for the, for the callback? Yes. I need to not be afraid to practice. Ah. And practice means going to a parking lot with literally nobody there and working on balance. Because right. I'm already, I'm 55, Dan. I'm getting unsteady in the way that people's gait gets unsteady. Mm. Or, you know, your balance. Like, I, this is something I really want to start watching in Apple Health because it can tell you stuff like, you know, how long your steps are, the steps that you take, the steps that you go up and down, how fast are you going up and down steps. I, just, I really want to start watching that stuff and trying to stay a little bit. I don't want to be healthy, but I don't want to be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I want to start, like, watching that. But that was a really good experience for me. And I'll tell you why. Because I decided that this bike, as I say to anybody who asks, this is my car. Like, this is my way of getting around, and it's fun. And I'm riding at least, you know, 10 to 12 miles a day, and it feels great, and I love it. And it's it's fun, but, like, it's also a thing where I mindfully, willfully said to myself, this is the thing that's worth sucking at. Because it's fun, and it's good, and maybe this will be to you another week, because I realize I'm running you a little bit long here, but I just was trying to think of all the different kinds of things that we abandon for all, and the reasons that we abandon them. I only ever skied once, once, all on the Donald Duck Hill. I skied <laughs> once, and I was terrible at it, and I never did it again. Why did I never do it again? Because I was terrible at it. Well, okay, well, eventually some people get good at skiing. Roderick got good at skiing. Um, you know, uh, Syracuse got good at skiing. Mm-hmm. Like... But you don't do that from going down the Donald Duck Hill for four hours and then going home. Think about things like a musical instrument. Well, a musical instrument's interesting, though, because a guitar is not, for me anyway, was not... There are things that were much more difficult to play than guitar. Like, I found, um, you know, wind instruments harder. Reed instruments are really hard. But the guitar I picked up a little bit, but why did I stick with guitar? It's a goddamn guitar! I'm learning how to play pictures of matchstick men. I'm learning how to play pinball wizard. Like the fact that I could, the, the getting less bad at that meant that I could play songs I kind of recognized kept me interested in sucking at it and moving forward, right? Bowling. Like you can get right, my, this is so embarrassing. I wasn't on bowling team. I was in bowling club in eighth grade with Mr. Trapani, the graphics teacher. And Mr. Trapani said, he said, I'm really envious of you because any one of you in here right now still have plenty of time to get great at bowling. 
You have so much time. Like you could get really good at bowling, even though you're 14 years old. You could start today and get good enough at bowling to at least be like, you know, have a 200 average, maybe even if you didn't go all the way, like <laughs> to, the, to the pros. Um, but I didn't bowl enough to be good at it, right? And there's just a million of these. You think about, think about drawing. Well, drawing to me is like the opposite of, well, the corollary, but opposite of playing guitar. We're like, I want to be so good at drawing, maybe even more than I want to be so good at playing guitar. But I was able to produce a sound that kind of sounded a little bit like status quo in 1983. And that kept me motivated. Whereas my drawings are ridiculous. And yes, once a year, I pull out my copy of Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. I'm not done yet. But like, I never got good at it and it frustrated me and the effort's not there. But then you've got, finally, there's things like writing. Like, you may not even know how bad you are at writing. I know I didn't. I thought I was very clever. I, I'm the worst, I was the worst kind of bad writer, which is somebody who thought they were a good writer and were surrounded by people who agreed that they were a good writer. But I was not a good writer. I'm still not a good writer, but it means everything in the world to me to try at it. So isn't it interesting, like so many, maybe it's not, but to me, it's so interesting. Those all are something where you do need to suck at it. You uh, Ideally, it would be nice to know how and why you suck at it and to have a path out of sucking. But there's one thing that's not negotiable, which is that every new thing and everything that any, let's put it this way, every new thing and any new thing that could be great and interesting will almost always start with you sucking. There's almost nothing interesting that you could begin doing that you'll be great at the first time. It's like I say, you know, if you think you're great at cunnilinga, start asking around. Like, you're going to get differing opinions about that. Are you a good, are you really good at driving? Are you really good at kissing? Are you really good at parking? Are you really good at managing? Friend, are you really good at multitasking? How many people have you asked how good you have been in the last month at multitasking? Because mm. it might be shocking. You don't even need to know how bad you are. worse than you think. You're, you, I can promise you, you're worse than you think. Um, but in each of those instances, I'll put away my paper now. Um, but like, it's just interesting to me because all of those have these factors to them. Like they got martial arts, like, um, um, so at new college, every January, there's this thing called independent study project, ISP, where you do independent study. And sometimes that involves like in my case, writing about Descartes or whatever, but some people will take like Aikido, like intensely for a month, their independent study that they do with other people. But Aikido, Judo, what do these have in common? And probably Taekwondo to an extent, but especially in my understanding of it, Aikido and Judo is you just get your ass beat for a really, really, really long time. And why? Is it because it's a kind of hazing? Well, maybe. Really, I think they're kind of, with Aikido, they're teaching you how to distribute your weight over a large area from your fingertip, you know, to, to your heel. How do you distribute weight when you fall down in Judo? Yeah, you're going to learn how to really hurt people, but you're also going to learn how to spar with people in a way where you won't get hurt as badly as you could be hurt. Taekwondo, people are just going to punch you so many times because that's what Taekwondo is. You don't get good at it by reading about it. You don't get good at it by playing guitar about it. You get good at Taekwondo by doing Taekwondo and doing it over and over and being open to the opportunities for improvement that are out there and being open to the thing you had no idea could be a linchpin for making you get better at something. Right? And I just think it's, it's, it combines all of these things in the human heart and I, I, this all occurred to me as I was nursing my knee, thinking like, it's just funny how like, God, if, if I, if that were something else that wasn't as fun as riding an e-bike, would I get back on? I mean, I've got a pretty, pretty big financial investment in it and I am treating it like my car and my exercise and my break from the world. 
like I don't listen to podcasts or music when I do it. It's amazing to be away from the world for like an hour every afternoon before I go home for dinner. But motivation, feedback, knowing that you suck and that you can improve, like, but embracing the, and maybe this is a flavor of, to come back to Zen, beginner's mind, but like there is an element to this of like, I need to fully the uh, embrace the full catastrophe of this, as John Kabat-Zinn says. I need to embrace how much I suck at this and be okay with it, not be mad about it, and just keep looking for opportunities to improve and to have a good heart about it. And like, you know, is the motivation there? Like, is it, you know, is the time there? I don't know. These are just things that I, I wanted to talk about because especially when you get to our age, Dan, I know we're not the same age, but we're getting into that run where people do tend to kind of, Mm, deplastify, like calcify, to like become less open to new ideas, become less open to new things. And I don't like new things. I don't like new ideas. But if a good one comes along, I would sure like to be able to appreciate it and not reject it because it was either difficult to, under, to understand or hard to do. And so the idea of entering into my sunset years with the idea of being open to sucking at new things feels invigorating to me. Well, yeah, I have a lot to say about this one this this week. This is a big week. Should, should I send you a photo of my knee? Yeah, I want to see that. That could be the cover uh, the cover art. No, I don't like doing that. I I accidentally saw monkeypox last week. Oh, because it was on TV, and I saw what an actual monkeypox pox looks like, and I was like, and I said this to somebody, a fellow podcaster on Twitter uh, last week. I said, uh, I said to Lizzie O'Leary, I said, Lizzie, I do not want monkeypox. That's a very strong feeling that I have. I do not want monkeypox. No. Wrapped up in that, I also don't want to see monkeypox. Today, I had the TV news on before I visited with my friend Dan, and, and they talked to a guy who got the monkeypox, and he's a doctor. Oh. And then they not only showed his puff, his puffy, blistery pox, but they showed the bursted pox that he had on his thumb and how he almost couldn't be a doctor anymore. And it, it basically looked like he, he dropped part of his thumb into a meat grinder. Uh. So the pox, you get the bubble. That's no good. You don't want that. But then the, the, the bubble does turn into like really bad stuff that means he can't be a doctor anymore. Uh. I actually feel bad that I've had all this training as a physician. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to know that you're, you know. I should just, I should become a coach, maybe. Like a, a bike coach, a life coach. A coach who's not afraid to fall down. That's going to be on my yeah, Squarespace no, site. I like that. Mm. The only coach in San Francisco who's not afraid to suck. <laughs> and then ask for money as a result. <laughs> um, was there, what would be a good name for that? Not uh, Academy Suck School? Oh, I don't know if I like the sound of that at all. Suck school, if there were a way that I could, you know, I like the sibilance, you know, I like the, what would that be, uh, resonance, consonance, dissonance. I like the S's, you know, suck school with your host Merlin Mann. And then there's just a gif of me falling over on a hill. <laughs> anything, anything else to wrap it up, Dan? Apart from thanking our sponsor, Squarespace? Where, uh, where would people go to learn more about uh, mindfulness meditation, Merlin? Well, I saw Headspace has some stuff on Netflix. Yeah. I bookmarked it, but haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, I don't, that's a really good question. Pro probably John, not John Kebbitson, um, but um, Gil Fronstall's got good stuff. I'm trying to think of like, is, is there a useful place we could send people to not just get a glossary, a definition and an illustration? Like how, how do we, to, to paraphrase Strother Martin, how do we help people get their mind right about what this is and how they can get started with it? Do you have a thought on that? To answer your question with a question? Yeah, I mean, I... I mean, there's, books, there's some books I really, really like. Like, if you're interested in meditation in the context of a, a kind of Buddhist practice, I, I'm a big fan of Steve Hagen's book. 
I think it's is it called Buddhism for Beginners? I'll find it for notes. But Steve Steve Hagen's Buddhism book is really good. Well, Merlin, I, there's um, something that there there's two things that I'm gonna suggest. There's always two things with you. There's always two right. things with me. I'm gonna put these into the show notes. Um, the mm-hmm. first one is uh, <sighs> Buddhism, plain and simple, and Buddhism is not what you think. You get that second one. Um, Buddhism is not what you think. Buddhism is not what you uh, that one. think. Uh, but the thing is... I, Buddhism is not what you think. The, Are you getting it? Yeah, I got it. Um, right, the fine. book that I want to recommend uh, first is one called Mindfulness in Plain English. This is Oh, that's so good. This is by Bhante G, who is um, uh-huh. a very, very well-known author and, and uh, Buddhist meditator and teacher, uh, Buddhist monk on this. Uh, the book is $12.59 in paperback. If you just Google this but the title mindfulness and I think English, you can get that on a website. You can, it's, it is free. It is freely available. Um, free as in Buddhism, free as in Buddhism, but you can download it and you can look at it and you can read it and you can do all that stuff for free. I like the paper book, the paper copy of it, but whatever. Then there's another <sighs> yeah, website that you can go to called audio Dharma. It's audiodharma.org. Yeah. That is where the insight meditation center in Redwood city, right by you, Merlin. Who's that woman? I like, uh, Andrea fella. That's the one. She's there. You're a Gil. You're a Gil guy. I'm a Gil guy. I'm, I'm a fella fella. I like Andrea oh, too. Yes, fella fella. Finally, you go there and you <laughs> uh, you can you can listen to all of their talks that they do, and they're doing talks all the time. Like today, there's one, two, three, four, four or five talks they've already posted today. It's that. It's basically everything that they do in their yeah. meditation yep. center. They just record it and post it, and it's great. Jesus, look at that extending so on Andrea's page, and there's a little RSS icon. Thank you. Oh, they've updated their yeah, site. Everything looks years. new and fresh. Oh, this is much nicer than it used to look. So if you want to learn how to meditate, um, they have a thing Ugh. at the top called Intro to Meditation. I would start there. There you go. Uh, this is how I started doing this 17 years ago. So it's it works. It's great she stuff. Had, she had a talk that I know I've talked about on here over the years. I don't know if I can find it. But she had, in the same way that this Michael Seeley stuff has become a go-to for Let's, let's be careful with our distinctions here. Going to sleep and relaxing. Andrea Fella had one about worry, a talk that I always kept on my phone that's really good. I can't put my hand to it right now. But these are good ways to get started. But, you know, it also, it can be, it can be, I don't know, like Joseph left the room. I'm not, you guys, should, everybody should do their thing. Do, do what you like to do. What I'm trying to help you avoid is a thing that I wish I could have avoided, you the listener, which is like a category error in thinking what something is and what it's for. And I, and I, this sounds like I'm trying to make some kind of a, you know, late capitalism critique of how we get sold ideas. And maybe I am, mm. but I'm, I'm just saying like, there's something valuable in learning how to relax. There's something valuable in learning how to meditate. Why didn't I say there's something valuable in relaxing and there's something valuable in meditating? Mm-hmm. Well, God willing, someday you'll get to relax and you'll get to meditate. I'm saying there's something valuable in learning how to relax. I think there's something valuable in learning how to meditate. I think there's something valuable in learning to not suck at riding a bike. I think there's something valuable in learning almost anything because you learn about a thing and you learn about yourself and you learn about the world. And if you go into it with your mind right, as Strother Martin would say, any man doesn't put a spoon in there, you know, some night in the box. If you get your mind right about this, you're going to get benefits from this you didn't expect because you didn't go in, you weren't the, the ugly American tourist who goes in and demands the local experience that, that they expected. I, what do you mean I can't buy a copy of Vogue, the current uh, American Vogue at the Vatican? 
one star. You know, like, but instead of going into it with the experience or expectation that you demand, mm -hmm. like maybe go in with being open in the same way that like the best way to learn an app is decide how it wants to be used before you try to apply. We talked about this, I think last week, before you apply all of your expectations to it, maybe learn how it wants to be used, what it's good for. Maybe learn that it's good for something you didn't expect, you know? Because then you also get into all this crazy stuff, like the Alexander Technique. There's all these kinds of things that you can do, and you're like, wait, what is that? I thought that was a thing for acting. No, I thought that was a thing for meditation. No, I thought that was a thing for fitness. It's all of those. You're learning how to improve your posture. Your posture will make you a better actor. It's Jordan Morris told me about this, and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that sounds completely bananas. Now, if you go in there expecting that to be an experience of chocolate and zen, like you might be a little bit disappointed. But if you go in understanding what... What it is that what it is that you're open to learning, you know, you don't get to God willing, you don't get to tell the teacher what's on the syllabus and what's on the curriculum. Because the best part of teaching is somebody who can guide you into learning the things you didn't know you needed to know. Right? I like that. It's well, yeah, and like I don't tell the plumber what pipes to use. You know, and like, like, you know, don't tell me what attributes go on your line breaks. I don't even know. I'm just saying words now. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, we might talk about this more in the future. You never know. But my knee and I, thank you for listening. Um, and Dan, thank you, thank you for, uh, thank you for learning with me. I enjoyed it. Uh, is this it? Is this the end of this episode? <sighs> what time is it? I can't tell you. Cockamamie me up. Won't tell me what time it is. Late. Oh, it's later than you think. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Well, Hakuna Matata. Um, um, let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin Man. Mm -hmm.